Let's stand together and open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. Our mission at Calvary is to compel every person in central Illinois to seriously consider the claims of Christ and to support ministries around the world to do the same. This mission comes right out of Matthew 28, where Jesus tells us to go into all the world. And we, and, and we, we approach it with the, with the sense that this is the most important thing we can do and the most important thing any person can do is to consider who they believe Jesus is and what they believe about his claims. Because we believe that when we follow Jesus' claims here, it'll make our life better. But more importantly, that it's only through Jesus that we find eternal life. It's the most important decision you're ever gonna make in your life. And so we wanna compel people to stop and to think and to really consider, not just what they've heard other people say, but to look at what the Bible says, to look at what Jesus says about himself and to consider his claims and to make a decision about what they believe about Jesus. Over the next several weeks, the next four to five weeks, we're gonna talk about what it means to be all in, to be a Christian that is totally committed to the cause of Christ. As we started this year in January, And our New Year's Eve service, we made that challenge to make this a year where you're all in. And so we're going to examine that a little more in depth over the next four to five weeks. But let's start today by looking in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, and listen to what Jesus says. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Father, again today I thank you for your word. Your word is a compass for our life, and we thank you for the revelation that comes through it. And today, Father, we pray you to let our hearts be open. Let your spirit beckon us. Let your spirit talk to us. Let us hear exactly what you'd have us to hear today from you so that we can make the fullness of, of a commitment to you that is pleasing. Let us be a pleasing people to you today and every day in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a television show that I will admit to you that I have never watched it. It's called Married at First Sight. Have you heard about this television show? Married at First Sight is advertised as a TV social experiment. Over 20,000 candidates have applied over the years to be matched by a team of relationship experts. This in-depth exploration of the matchmaking process introduces experts, experiment, and the candidates brave enough to marry a total stranger. The experts are asked to find three compatible couples that will not meet until their wedding day. Each participant agrees to a legal marriage 
with a complete stranger. Four specialists, a sexologist, whatever that is, a spiritualist, a psychologist, a sociologist, use scientific matchmaking methods to determine each couple who will, will not have met or had contact with each other until their wedding day. The series then documents the relationship, including the honeymoons and other relatable events of married life. And then after about six weeks, each couple must decide whether to remain together or to go their separate ways. At the end of the first two seasons, all the couples had broken up. And in the final, at the end of the, the third, this third season final, one of the couples chose to stay together and all the others separated. But six, at the six-month reunion, a special revealed that all the former lovebirds had, were no longer together. Now, I've had people tell me that they knew on the first date they were going to marry the person they were with that day. I will just confess to you, that was not even on my radar when I was dating. Uh, in fact, if someone had even hinted towards that on a first date, I would have run for the exit. That was not what I was looking for. I'm not, I'm not laying any doctrinal truth out here or passing any judgment. I've known people who knew that and got married and had great, wonderful marriages and great things happened to them. Some people are looking for a spouse when they go on a date. I, it, that just wasn't me. The thought of going all in when you just met is a bit mind-blowing to me. It's a bit mind-blowing. There are many times when people go all in in relationships long before they should, before they know everything and all the details of what this commitment really means. But there's others who they've weighed out things and they have a sense. But I want you to capture this today. For a relationship to be great, for a marriage to be really filled with life and joy for a marriage to really bubble forth with the strength that comes that is intended to be inside of a marriage for that to really happen both people have to be all in both of them have to be committed to the good of the other person the same thing plays out in the business world and in the church world if you take a, a group of men and women on a on a a business board or a church board and there's somebody in there running a personal agenda trying to get something for themselves not thinking about what's good for the company it's not long until there's factions and groups fighting with each other and it gets harder and harder but when you have a church board or a group of people who are sitting there going we want what's best for the church we want what's best for the business, we want to serve people well, we want to do things well, that's when it can begin to be fun, when it can really flourish, is when everybody's on that same page together. The same things happens on sports teams. If you get all the members of a team and they want to play together, they want to work as a team together, 
then, then that team becomes fun. It becomes exciting. But if you get one guy or one gal on there, all they're worried about is their stats. How many points they got? How many, how many uh, assists they made? How many rebounds they got? Now, all they're worried about is their personal stats. It's not long until there's a breakdown and a, and a dysfunction that happens inside of that group because somebody is selfish. Somebody isn't all in. This is what we want to talk about over the next several weeks in our series, All In. What does it mean to be all in for God? What does that really mean? What does that look like if we're all in for God? See, I don't expect people to go all in for God the first Sunday they walk in the church door. The Bible says that the process includes planting. It includes watering before there's a harvest. I don't know what stage this is for you. We want this to be a safe place for you. Maybe you're at the stage of the planting and the watering. You're just getting a little curious about God and wondering how God would change your life and is he really real and is the church world really a, a great place? We want this to be a place where that can safely happen. Where you can ask your questions, where you can come hang out, where you can go to a small group and get to know some people and discover what this thing called Christianity is all about and what following Christ is all about. We're, we welcome you to come take your time and to grow and to learn and, uh, and to discover what this journey is all about. But maybe God in somebody else's life has already sent someone into them and planting has already happened and watering has already happened and it's harvest time. It's time for you to make an all-out commitment to trusting Jesus and obeying him. Here's what harvest time is like. The person has come to the conclusion that Jesus is the son of God, the creator of all things, and that someday we're gonna stand before God the Father in judgment. And if we stand there on our works, on our own merit, on our own strength, we will fall short of his glory and be separated from him for eternity. But Jesus came, his son, paid the price on Calvary for us so that anybody who puts their faith in him, trusts him as their Lord and Savior, can be saved and have eternal life. That if anyone will cry out to him, he will not only be their Lord, but he'll be their Savior. Harvest time is when we submit our life to him totally, completely, all in. We're following him. He is the Lord of our life and we're going to trust him to be the Lord and the Savior of our life. So the question you've got to ask yourself is this, have you done that? The call that we call this crossing the line of faith from living the way you feel like living, doing what you feel like doing, seeing the world the way you feel like seeing the world, to submitting your life to Jesus and trusting him for your eternity. Marriage is the harvest time of a couple and a relationship, a commitment where they go all in and they commit to each other. 
And they stand somewhere and they make, a, make vows to each other that go something like this. For better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, forsaking all others, keeping only unto you. That's all in. No matter what happens. No matter what the future holds. No matter what takes place. No matter who else comes along. It's you and me, baby. We're in this thing together. We're going to work through this thing together. And when you put two people in a relationship with that kind of a commitment, it can become joyous and exciting. However, sadly, that's not what really people, a lot of people really mean. What they really mean is this. For better and richer in health, as long as you keep me happy, I'm in. That's what some people really, really mean. I've actually had people say to me over the years, Pastor, I, I, I know you don't like this, but I'm going to divorce my spouse. And, but God has told me it's okay. He's told me it's okay uh, because uh, it's okay to check out of this relationship because I'm not happy and God wants me to be happy. And I just look at him and say, that's not being all in. That's not what this commitment's about. Yeah, it can lead to great, great happiness. But there's times when you work through the tough things together, committed, inside the boundaries. I had a friend going through a very serious illness a number of years ago. He'd been sick for, he was sick for a couple of years and really struggled. And right in the middle of it, one of the worst points in his illness, his wife looked at him and said, I didn't sign up for this. I'm out of here. I didn't know the wife. I wished I did because I wanted to say to her, yes, you did. That's exactly what you signed up for. You signed up to be in it with this person no matter what was going on, to be a strength to them right during an hour like this. That's what you signed up for is to be all in. So, the challenge for us to think about today is for those of us who are thinking about going all in with Jesus are those who think they've gone all in with Jesus. Over the next several weeks, I want to make that commitment really clear. What does it really mean to be all in with Jesus? Not just the richer and the, and, and the, the in health and, and in, you know, in, in good times, but what does it really, really mean? So I want to make this commitment to Christ and what Jesus expects perfectly clear to everyone. And here it is. When we come to Jesus, he says to us, pick up your cross and follow me. There are two reasons we see in the Bible when somebody picks up a cross. One is when they're compelled to carry it to somebody else's crucifixion like Simon was for Jesus. The other time is when they're compelled to pick up their cross to go to their crucifixion. Jesus didn't say pick up somebody else's cross. He didn't even say pick up my cross and follow me. Jesus said pick up your cross and follow me. 
Here's what Jesus said. If you're seriously thinking about being all in or you think you're all in. Here's what Jesus says. He says, I'm going to kill you. Most likely, this is going to be painful. It's going to be ugly. You're going to go places you don't want to go. You're going to have to give up things you don't want to give up. You're going to have to change things you don't want to change. But I'm about the business of killing you so I can resurrect you. I'm about the business of putting an end to all the things that cause the pain and the suffering in the world. To bring about new life in the world. Jesus says, following me requires that you let every area of your life be examined. And that you submit every area of your life to him. Even when it hurts. Even when it costs you something. Even when it's painful. Even when you don't want to. So let me ask you, are you ready to sign up? Are you really ready to go all in? Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose his, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. So I know some of you, this may be your first date. You may just be hearing about this for the first time. We would love for you to come and be a part of Calvary Church. We welcome you to come date us for a while. We welcome for you to come get to know us and get to know what God's all about and what he's really challenging us to do and the things he's going to challenge you to give up and, and to surrender. Some of you, you've been around the church a long time. You've been around for a while. Some a really, really long time. Whatever stage you are at, you're welcome But know this, at some point, the question has to be answered. What are you going to do about Jesus? Are you going to be all in or are you all out? Because there is no halfway. Jesus doesn't put up with halfway. Jesus says to us, pick up your cross and follow me. If you go down to the Christian bookstores today, you're going to find a lot of books about the second part of that equation. How to find your life, how to get your life, how to have a better life, all this kind of stuff that's really good. It's kind of like in marriage. We want to, you know, when we go into marriage, we we, we want to think about the better and the richer and the health. We want to think about all of that stuff. Hear me. The good in in, in, in a marriage and the good in Christianity is really good. Jesus does offer us life to the full. Jesus does offer us tremendous blessing. But to find life, it starts with the losing part. It doesn't start with the life part. It starts with the surrender part. Whoever loses his life will find it. 
There's a lot of finding to do, and it's glorious when you find it. It's wonderful when you get it. It's wonderful when you're walking in that part. But it begins with us losing, giving up, surrendering. Now, I'm not just talking about Sunday mornings. I'm not, okay, Pastor, I'm, I'm ready to sign up. I'll, I'll come to church every Sunday morning. I'll give an hour and 20 minutes. Now I'll come sit here and hopefully the music will be good and I'll like it and hopefully you won't say things that upset me too much. I'm a Christian. Because I want to go to heaven. Now talk, I'm not talking about giving up your same words. When I talk about dying to ourselves, we're talking about dying to our attitudes. Putting our attitudes on the table and saying, God, Change them, make them the way you'd have them be. I'm, t- I'm talking about dying to our values. What's important? What's valuable to us? And we put them on the table and say, God, make them your way. I'm talking about dying to our sense of right and wrong. Dying to that sense of what we believe is right and what we be- believe is wrong. Even what our culture says is right and what our culture says and wrong. We lay it all on the table. We say, it doesn't matter what our culture says. Frankly, it doesn't matter what our president says about what's right and wrong. All that matters about what's right and wrong is what Jesus says about it. What does Jesus say is right and wrong? Our perspectives have to be laid on the table. Our judgment, how we judge others, what judgment we have in life, our reactions in life, how we react to the world has to be laid on the table. Our moral compass has to be laid on the table. And we have to say, God, what do you say is right and what do you say is wrong? I'm following after that. Now, you really want to get shaken up? Our resources get laid on the table. All that we have, we're stewards of it. Everything that, that we think is ours is really his now. He is our Lord. What do you want me to do with it? I lay it on the table. My talents, my gifts, every corner of our life gets surrendered when we're all in. And when we lose it, he says that's when we find it. On New Year's Eve, we made that challenge to those who were here to be committed this year to being all in. And I would remind you, all in is not a checklist of 10 things. Oh, here's the 10 things you do. You come to church every Sunday morning. You read your Bible occasionally. You pray over your meals every day. You know, you stop saying these kind of jokes. You know, here's your top 10 list of Christian things to do. No, it's not a, it's not a, a list It's about the desire, it's about the heart, it's an attitude of the heart, totally surrendered to God. All in in the marriage gives up the self for the us. It's about the desire to care for the other person. And all in in the kingdom is about full submission to God, living to please God, living his way. And in some ways, that, that shakes out looking differently for different people. One person may be called to be a missionary to some far-off part of the world, and another person may be called to teach a third-grade Sunday school class for 20 years. It looks differently, the all-in does. Or to give care to somebody who has a real need or to oversee a small group. Being all-in can look different for every one of us. So in one sense, 
And all in is different for each person. But in another sense, all in has some standards for all of us that all of us should see the same way and respond the same way. It's those standards that we want to talk about over the next several weeks. And here's why. If you get the standards right, if you go all in in the standards that are for everybody, then God can speak to us clearly about the all-ins that are different for every one of us. But if you don't get the standards right, even if you get the place where we're different right, you're going to mess it up because the standards aren't right. So we're going to talk about these standards, these great areas of life where, where we should understand and be all in in our commitment to following after Christ. And here's the promise. When you are all in, that is when you find your life. That is where life becomes meaningful. That's where light, where you discover your purpose in life that gives you a sense of fulfillment as you walk through life. That's where fullness comes and joy comes and security comes. And you begin to walk through this life with a sense of who you are before God and how he made you. But here's the truth. You can't find that life with a halfway commitment. If you sat here today and you said, uh, I am going to Disney World for vacation, but I'm only driving to Paducah. <laughs> not going any farther than Paducah, but I'm going to Disney World for vacation. You're not going to Disney World, you're going to Paducah. You're going to experience Paducah is what you're going to. You've got to be all in for the drive all the way there if you're going to go to Disney World. And the same thing is true in our faith. You can't look at God and say, God, I'm all in. I'm all in on Sunday morning. I'm not all in on Monday morning. I'm all in with these things, God, but I'm not all in on these things. You'll never discover the fullness of life halfway there. You've got to get all the way there. You've got to surrender everything if you're going to find the life that Jesus offers. The hope of Christianity does not work either here on earth or for eternity when we are halfway people. Jesus, in fact, says, I'll spew you out of my mouth. If you try to hold on to your attitudes, if you try to hold on to your values, if you try to hold on to your sense of right and wrong, if you try to hold on to your perspectives or your judgment or your reaction, or you try to control the morals and say this is the way I think is morally right and God has to understand that or these are my resources, these are my things, they belong to me, they don't belong to God, they're mine. You try to use your talents to glorify yourself and you try to use gifts to get honor for yourself. <laughs> you will not find the life that God has for you. You'll lose it. Everything has to be put on the table and we have to say to Jesus, it's yours. It's yours. I'll die to myself. 
Jesus told the disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Uh, Finally, I want you to understand this today, especially if you're new. Following Jesus isn't one of many ways to find life. Following Jesus is the only way to life. Finding Jesus is not one of the ways to eternal life. Finding Jesus is the only way to eternal life. I know that's not politically correct in our culture today. I know there's people who don't want to want to want to point us a different direction. But Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Either they're wrong or he is. And we want to tell you today, we believe with all of our heart, he's not wrong. He's right. And over these days, we want to challenge you. Maybe this is a planting time for you or a watering time for you. To hear us make this challenge that Jesus says there's only one way to heaven. And that's a serious enough claim for you to seriously look at what he says and the proofs about his life and to make a determination as the Spirit would touch you. What are you going to do about that? What do you believe about that? Are you going to follow him or are you going to deny him? But don't try to go halfway. There is no halfway. It's either all in or all out. And for those of us who believe it, who have come to this conclusion, God has moved in our life and his spirit's revealed revealed it to us. Why halfway? Why would you want to go halfway? Why would you want to stop short of the fullness of what God has for you? Why not put everything on the table and say, God, make me what you'd have me to be? What's holding you back? I'm not asking you to make that decision today. Over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about it. I want to challenge you to be here over the next four or five weeks to come and to begin to pray every day and say, God, am I all in or am I not? Is there any place in my life where I'm not all in? Is there any place where I'm living and doing it my way instead of your way? Is there any place where I'm compromising what you would have me to be instead of being all that you would have me to be? Because, God, I want to be pleasing to you. And I want the fullness of what you have in my life. I want to close today with a a little modern day parable called I Knew All Along. I knew it all along. He was born to a godly mom. She took him to church and prayed for his soul. He sang the songs with joy. He loved to hear the stories of Moses and Samuel and David and Peter. And his mom was so thrilled the day He was baptized. He remembers the feelings of great joy. As a junior high and high school came about, there was homework to do and sports to pursue and parties to attend and girls to chase. He still willingly came to church with mom once a week. But some of the joy was gone. And he began to look other ways. As he left for college, his mom encouraged him to find a good church, and he promised that he would, but the effort was never made. When he was home, he would dutifully go and attend with his mom, 
But his gaze had shifted. He was now hearing the arguments of blind men. And they appealed to his desires. In a flash, college ended and he began his career. Mom spoke to him often about his faith and finally, as kindly as he could, he told her, I don't believe that anymore. Her heart was broken, but she continued to pray. But when others of faith said anything to him, he would mutter to them, I don't believe in fairy tales. Yet late at night, when he was all alone in the darkness of his room, the futility of life, the emptiness of the heart, would try to awaken his soul. He would toss and turn and push it aside. But there was just too much life that he wanted to live. Mom grew older, her body grew weaker. He loved his mom and he, he wished she would just stop talking to him about faith. But then suddenly she was gone. A strange thing happened as others consoled him. He found himself saying things like, she's in a better place now. Her faith was strong, I know where she is. The words came so naturally but he felt like a hypocrite a witness of the truth within, but in the days ahead, he had dismissed it all. After all, to turn back to faith would, would be giving up so much of who he was, admitting that he was wrong in so many ways. He held on to the arguments of the lost and he grew angry, angry at anyone or anything that pointed him to faith, at anything or anyone that pointed him to God, at anything or anyone that pointed him to eternity. And as he would hear of others' faith, he would mutter in his heart, fools, the days and years went by so quickly. His joys grew less and his pain grew greater. His soul cried out for help, but his mind silenced the voice. And then it was done. His time was over. He was there. It all looked familiar. A story from the past. The throne room of the creator and the songs from his youth. He did not consciously realize when it happened, but his knees had buckled. And he as he gazed upon God, he cried out, You are Lord. He remembered the songs, the day of baptism. He remembered the late nights. He remembered the words that came when his mother came to this place. You are Lord came easily, but he knew he should say more. He tried, but the words could not be formed. He wanted to say them with all of his being. He knew them, but he couldn't form them. He couldn't say, my Savior. Today, if your ear could be turned to the place of destruction, if you could hear the cries of the lost, as you searched and separated them out one by one, in the distance, you would hear one voice saying, I knew it all along. Friends, you don't want to spend eternity 
with the knowledge that you had the chance. That God had come across your path time and time again. He had sent his witness to your way in the creation of the world around you and in believers walking into your life and proclaiming the truth. Knowing that you had every opportunity to get your heart right with God. There comes a moment when you have to make a decision. Are you going to put your trust in him? Are you going to be all in? Or are you not? And your eternity weighs in the balance. Let's stand together today and let's pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness to us, your love, your mercy, your patience, your grace. I thank you for your promises of fullness of life and eternity. But Lord, today, at this moment, I just, I just want to pray for those who maybe are at that point in time where it's time for harvest. It's time for them to step across the line of faith and put their life fully and totally in Jesus' hands and to surrender all to him. So, Lord, in this moment, speak to each life, I pray. In Jesus' name. As every head is bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. If you'll say, Pastor, that's me. I need to, I'm ready to cross the line of faith. Today, I know who Jesus is. And I'm ready to go all in. I'm ready to follow him with all of my heart. I, I'm, I've not been serving God. I've not been a Christian. But today, today, I want to make that decision. If that's you, just raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, pray for me right now in Jesus' name. Waiting just a moment for anyone in this place. God bless you. God bless you. Others today, you'll raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. God bless you today. We're going to say a very simple prayer here, and I invite all of you to say it with me. We believe that the work of Christ has been done for us. We just have to receive it into our life. So let's pray this prayer together today. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I receive Jesus as my Lord. I receive Jesus as my Savior. And I ask you, to help me to live for him who died for me. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask my prayer teams, the prayer teams to come down to the front right now. Would you do that, please? In just a moment, Dan's going to sing and lead us in a song. And if you raised your hand in that moment, just a moment ago, I want to invite you, I want to encourage you, step out from wherever you're at, come down and let somebody pray with you. Others will be coming for other reasons. But it's important for you to step out. Say, oh, boy, that's really hard. You know, I'd, I'd, I just want to tell you, I'd rather step out here and come here and make sure my life's right here than I would to stand before God and not be ready. So I want to compel you to come down and let somebody pray with you. Whatever other need you have, come down and let someone pray with you. Now here, I want to close with this today. Jesus does say to us, pick up our cross, pick up your cross, and follow me. 
But at the end of it, he says, those who do, you're going to find fullness of life. This isn't bad news, friends. This is good news. He kills the stuff in us that destroys us. He kills the stuff in us that keeps us from life to the full. If, if our nation would follow him, if our world would follow him, he will end the stuff that destroys nations and destroys people and he builds the stuff that gives us fullness of life. But we have to be willing to come say, kill the stuff that's bad, resurrect the stuff that's, that's true. Do your work in me completely and totally. This isn't bad news, friends. This is good news. That the old and the destructive is killed and the new and the resurrected is life. Don't miss what God has for you. Amen? Give the Lord a clap offering today. Bless the Lord. Thanks for worshiping with us today. God bless you.